Welcome to another episode of Why Not Meditate podcast. I'm your host, Masako Kozawa, a teacher and a student of mindfulness meditation. I am so happy that you're here. Well, I am excited to dive straight into today's episode by sharing this great conversation I had with Mizbah Hak. Mizbah is a former fitness coach who has turned into a podcast producer and a stand up comedian. In 2016, he started his first podcast while working as a fitness instructor. That led him to land a dream internship and a dream job the following year, producing and co hosting a top ranking fitness podcast. And in 2020, he started his own business called Pod Mahal, where he helps other people and businesses launch and produce their podcasts. In our conversation, we talk about his journey and how meditation has impacted his thought process, creativity, and self discovery along the way. We also talk about how we can gracefully navigate inevitable experiences such as imposter syndrome and fear of the unknown. You know, since I am currently actively in the process of creating the lifestyle of my choice. It is great to connect with and learn from fellow human beings like Mizbah, who is further down on his path. I am so thankful that he so openly shared his experience and wisdom. We had a lot of fun having this conversation. So, without further ado, please welcome Mizbah Hak. Hi, Mizbah. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing brilliant. I am so appreciative of the work that you're doing because it's making meditation more accessible. Because I think when you have more conversations around it, it definitely can help you either get into the world or one sentence you might hear differently or that motivates you a little, you know, uniquely can set off a whole journey. I know it did for me, was hearing、mm-hmm. other people. I literally heard other podcasts talking about meditation that、oh. really got me into it. So I appreciate being on the side of it this time and you and your listeners taking the time to hang out today. Yeah. I would like to hear your story about how meditation came into your life. Most often, I hear people get into meditation because of maybe the traumatic experience that they had and they、mm-hmm. needed some sort of help, or maybe they hit rock bottom, maybe they're burnt out and then they needed some way to calm down their nervous system and then they searched for an answer and then found meditation. But I believe everybody's journey is different and unique. So I would love to, you to share your story. Yeah, I had,、um, I guess you could say, a couple rebirths with meditation,、mm-hmm. right? Where it's like I had my first discovery of it when I was probably like 17, 18. And I was blending it with more so visualization, I guess, because I was using it for sport. I was、mm-hmm. Olympic weightlifting at the time. It was like you have three attempts. In front of everybody for two lifts. And that's、mm-hmm. the whole meet, right? It's in silence, you know, and people are watching you. And so I figured, hey, me being centered for this, doing meditation, a lot of other people my age aren't doing this. It's、mm-hmm. a way I can get ahead.、Uh, so it was purely like this tactical move first, right?、Um, then I started to notice that, like, okay, because you also learn this, like my body was becoming very. 
because I was also trying to run a business or trying to make a full-time career out of fitness, whatever else I was doing while competing, my nervous system was basically destroyed. Like I had a lower back injury that Mm. set me off of teaching those spinning classes and stuff. And at 20 years old, it made me completely rethink like, do I didn't think my body could do this. Right. Mm. So to, I think, make myself feel less depressed, right. That I couldn't move or do the sport I wanted to, or teach how I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, knowing that my nervous system and inflammation, all this stuff is very flared up right now. And there, you know, was research emerging at the time, headspace and all that was out where you're like, Hey, this is helping you calm some of that down or offset that. So that was really kind of my motivation was like, if this will help my back get better, if this will help me move how I want to. And because I felt so terrible, not Mm. being like, I couldn't get out of a car without pain. And if I started to vacuum, because I worked retail for a while. So at the end of the night, we'd have to like, I'd be the vacuum guy that would flare up my back for Mm. even months and months after it was fully healed. So it was just this like identity crisis I had of, man, I could back squat 320 mm. pounds or something like that. I could deadlift three, you know, that much. They, people were telling me I couldn't do it again. So for me, meditation was like this, try to use it to somehow overcome this. Like I had this thing, like, I will show you, I will lift more than 320 pounds again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so at that time it was a safe space in a way to almost like, it felt like it was a workout for my brain. That's how I was mm. trying to treat it at the time. Yeah. And then that's a perfect analogy because it does take practice. We are not so used to sitting down in quietness, right? And mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable. We don't know what to do. And then we feel like we are not doing a great job. And I think oftentimes we give up on doing yeah. that just because we feel like we're not doing a good job and it's not working therefore. But just like the fitness, mm-hmm. it takes practice. It takes consistent effort and dedication in order to build the muscle in your brain. Oh yeah. It took me probably another three to five years mm-hmm. after discovery, right? Where on and off you try different methods and stuff. And then I think I had that second wave of it where I was mm-hmm. like, now I had an even bigger desire to use it for, I had my rock bottom moment again, right? Mm. I was uh, in a new place. I was working for free for this internship. Hopefully it was going to work out. I was, I just got out of a relationship, didn't have any friends where I was. It was like a lot c- coming down at once. And mm. even though I was in an okay spot by the time I got to this meditation class or whatever that I did, that really is kind of what made me feel for the first time. I was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Like mm. I haven't been doing it as well as I thought for the past three, five years. I mean, there are moments where I felt it, but I realized like our brain will get hooked on a good feeling, right? And so if mm-hmm. you can make meditation feel good to some degree, like genuinely, mm-hmm. and you ha- have it aligned with the purpose, you'll be more likely to come back. And so for me at that time, it was like, I want to use this for public speaking. I'm an introvert and I am teaching classes in front of large groups of people, especially when I was uh, coaching a lot more in person. I wanted to get better at it. I thought I could be, I started stand-up comedy to kind of work at that skill a little bit. And mm-hmm. I wanted to use meditation again in a performance sense. But mm-hmm. at the other side of it, I just thought like, if I use it to clear out and process my stuff a little bit, 
mm-hmm. I will inevitably be a better performer. There's just less filter between yeah. my brain and my mouth, which was then the second biggest goal. Like, how do I remove that? And so that I'm present and, you know, whether I'm on stage or not, mm-hmm. it's not like this fear pops up when I think of saying something or, you know, all the inner critic stuff that can come up. Meditation hopefully will help me find my voice. So that was kind of the, mm. uh, the journey after that to where consistency really did matter because it doesn't matter if you've been doing it for five years, if you only did it three times a year, <laughs> right? It, you know, you're not going to feel the same effect. So thankfully that second wave is what Mm -hmm. allowed me to be pretty consistent for a little while Mm -hmm. enough to get hooked on the good effects of like, Oh, this feels so good. I like want to keep coming back to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it takes a while to get yourself to that with anything, especially when you're not good at it. There's a famous comedian, his name is Bobby Lee. uh, I believe he's Korean and he has this, uh, he's so funny. He has this thing that he says, which is to comedians and when you're starting out that like in the beginning you have to push yourself to get Mm -hmm. on stage because you're scared to death you've just bombed the night before maybe 15 minutes before at another show you have to do it again but at a certain point you get to a place where you're pulled on stage Mm -hmm. to where like you just the joke or whatever it's like pulling you to get up there and try it again and so anything new like it takes a year and a half two years before you kind of get to this essence of it where you're like, oh, this is what I like about it. I'm good at this. I feel good. This is working. Mm -hmm. And so the tough part is sometimes the beginning where you're like, how do I sustain the starting? And yeah, especially if you have not experienced the benefits yet, you know, it's going to be there, but you Mm -hmm. haven't felt it. And therefore there's less motivation to keep going further into meditation. I love that yeah. you expressed how meditation has impacted your creativity and your performance. Mm-hmm. Like you were afraid that, of public speaking. That was one of the yeah. fears that you had. And then you jumped uh-huh. into stand-up comedy. I mean, that takes so much guts. Was it just yeah. to like, attack your fear of public speaking? You just decided to do that? I was podcasting right and podcasting is a form of like you know even though it's not live you're performing to some degree right you're Mm -hmm. in front of a microphone i did feel the sense of like performance one of the big things was yes work through those fears but the other was almost like this i took it on as a spiritual path because stand-up is so like you you have to dig deep within yourself you have to find things that are unique to your story things Mm -hmm. that aren't hacky and it really was this exercise for me that was like wow if i could figure out how to talk about myself what's funny about like there's no other art form where you get that immediate feedback where Mm -hmm. even in a play like Mm -hmm. i'm performing a play, but you have to pretend like you like it. Right. And you can't mm-hmm. just yell out and heckle in the middle of it versus stand up. There's, there's all of these, um, again, I think it was this thing. Oh my God, this is so hard. I yeah. want to figure out how to make this work. Let's see if I can. And I just knew that even if like, I'm not the best comedian, what's going to happen is it will transfer hopefully and bleed over into the other things like podcasting, which is what I really cared about mm-hmm. and coaching business, those types of things. And then again, day-to-day life, cause I'm an introvert and I thought it would help me 
you know, social anxiety or talking to people a little bit easier. And so it was scary. I've had a lot of weird moments. I mean, I still mm-hmm. have a lot of wild stories that uh, I, I wouldn't <laughs> have had, I think, uh, if I didn't do stand-up. But stand-up comedy uh, is so much is more about who you are rather than what mm-hmm. you're saying with words, I feel like. Yes. And then if you're you so are right. really dropped in and being like super conscious, if you are really being yourself and open to share the energy with your audience, I think mm-hmm. there is a greater engagement outside 100%. of what you are saying. Yeah. It's just the same thing. Like, you know, when we watch a show on Netflix or something like that, a new show, if you're not hooked on the character mm. in the first couple minutes, mm-hmm. you're not going to watch 10 more episodes right. of the show. Right. Yeah. So the character and what attracts us to that, it's not often a character who's like, oh, I'm the champion. I'm the best in the world. Like I have it all figured out. Even when they show that scene in a show, immediately after, as soon as they can, they show you, ah, man, this guy's got, he's depressed. He's got family issues. He's got things that make him human and Mm -hmm. like one of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that stand-up is this, just like anything, it's like performing a movie almost to where in five minutes, people have to know you as a character Mm -hmm. and be on the same wavelength as you. It doesn't mean it has to be Uh, full of conflict and depressing, but like there are things that make you unique that honestly, Mm -hmm. that's the hard part. Like you don't find that for five to 10 years in standup of just like getting chiseling away to that voice. And there's also this other thing that is rewarded, I think, which is, um, I called it offstage work habits. I would also talk Mm -hmm. to older comedians and people I came across that were like, when people ask for advice with something, the worst way to ask for advice is like, hey, could you give me some advice on meditation? Or hey, could you give me some <laughs> advice on podcast? It's so broad, right? right. But, but if you say, hey, what are some good work habits off stage? Mm-hmm. That is a very specific question that to me signified like everybody's going on stage. Everybody, that part, everybody's excited to do and try mm-hmm. and like get better at that. Everybody's doing the part that other people see, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. recording themselves and But the things that probably move the needle the most, Mm -hmm. and I've seen people go from terrible to really good and wow, they're huge now. Like you're like, okay, what happened there? They figured out their unique leverage points that only Mm -hmm. come from sense of clarity. And some people naturally have that, right? Where it's like, they're sure about who they are and Mm -hmm. what they want, how they feel about things. I think it's like everybody works differently off stage, but Mm -hmm. the point is like, do you write a lot off stage? Do you like to write on paper? Do you like to walk and listen to yourself in headphones and review your set? Some people do podcasts and they mine and try to write jokes on their show and then take it to the stage after. So Mm -hmm. that was a key skill off stage where I was like, oh, this influences how good you maybe are on stage or how useful it is. Just like in fitness, it's not just about the gym, that part everybody sees, right? Right. But it's the kitchen and it's the food and it's like all the other stuff. So same thing in meditation. I think the reason it's tough is because nobody sees you meditate. You don't get to post (laughs) it after, right? You're not like, I'm meditating. I'm going to do an Instagram live, me doing meditation. (laughs) Exactly. Right. There's no, and sometimes that is useful. Like when you're working out and documenting it and it forces Mm -hmm. you to like, all right, let me stick with it. But meditation is a very personal thing that you have to figure out why you want to do it. 
And nobody can force you to stick to it or do it. It often has to be moved by like a very internal desire or thing you're trying to avoid. (laughs) Those are really the only two things I think that move us. You know, I started meditation because I was desperate. Mm -hmm. I was exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, and I was willing to try anything that could make me feel a little bit better. Like yeah. when my physical health went down, just like you're talking about your back hurting and not being able to get out of the car, you know, mm-hmm. my physical health was not to that extreme, but I was exhausted. I could not yeah. keep going, doing the things I need to take care of every day. And that's when I felt like, okay, I have to pay attention. I have to do something differently. So I changed my diet. I changed my exercise. I changed my daily schedule so that I could feel better. And meditation was just one of the many things I tried with the hope that could give me some sort of relief so that I could feel physically better and live a little bit better life than I was at that time. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you know, even though I said it was for creativity and uh, all of these like external goals, I think that was a source that I used mentally maybe to motivate myself. But mm-hmm. like internally, I did have that. I was opening up the gym at 6 a.m. every weekend for a long time. Then you do stand up late at night for a little while. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're, you're managing a lot. And a lot of people can force through it and make it work and like just their health is declining, but you can ignore it. But being somebody in the fitness world, it was very hard for me. Oh yeah. (laughs) That that, goes against what you're trying to do. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's so against, and it's just like this conflicting thing of like, well, I need something, just something. And meditation felt like it was free. It Mm -hmm. didn't take a crazy amount of time, but the return on investment, especially when you look into the research, it's just so why would you not do it? It's free money. I know. It's like somebody handing you that, you know? Right. It's free. Like you said, you can do it anywhere, anytime. And it's legal. And yeah. there's no yeah, yeah. bad side effects. Right. And the positive side effects are countless. I mean, like you yeah. said, it's being scientifically proven, not only improve your health by lowering cortisol, lowering blood pressure, but also has been proven that it rewires your brain. And you can access to the higher thinking brain more. So Mm. therefore your creativity goes up. You now have more direct pathway to that frontal cortex. See, that's like, I love hearing that type of stuff Mm -hmm. uh, where you're like, oh, this is why it works. And it's funny because like what got me into meditation, like harder was I told you like watching a couple podcasts with Jerry Seinfeld being on uh, Mm -hmm. Ellen DeGeneres or somebody they're talking about how they meditate. So some of my favorite comedians I heard, I was like, Oh, they meditate like Mm -hmm. that. Why do they do it? Obviously they do it. Like Jerry Seinfeld has nobody's allowed to bother him before he goes up on stage for the Mm -hmm. 20 minutes or whatever, 23 minutes it takes. And I just, there's a reason people who in my arena were like making it work. There's a reason they're doing it Yeah. when they could be doing anything else. And so I think it has to be internal, some of it, right? Mm-hmm. But you also do, I think, need to let the external guide it, like gamify it for yourself in the beginning. If you're like half interested, half not, instead of waiting until you just, it's all internal and you're broken down and mm-hmm. then you need it. It's like, find something external maybe 
that it mm. could help you with? Like, what do you care about? Is it making more money? Is it, you know, speaking, is it finding a relationship? Is it, you know, do like overcoming your self limitations? Like it could be a number of things, yeah. but if you find something external to hook it onto a little bit, then it's almost an experiment. You're like, does this work? Right. And it does, you know, when you give it enough time, the best analogy that I heard, cause like I was already a little bought in from hearing just like these comedians talk about how, like, it felt like, oh, like you could bring all your thoughts to the table, like Mm -hmm. uh, in the comedy world, like your mind is active. It's a little overactive. Right. And so you're trying to turn it down a tiny Mm -hmm. bit and slow things down. And this analogy I heard of your mind is like an ocean, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like the top of the waves, it's like noisy and there's a lot of thoughts and stuff going on here, but the deeper and deeper you get into the ocean, there's more stillness, more Mm -hmm. quiet, less ripples kind of happening and going on. And for whatever reason at the time that made my brain go, oh yeah, that's exactly like how I would describe this feels when it Mm -hmm. works where it's like, I came into it with not even knowing how many thoughts I had buzzing around and stuff that's kind of subconsciously running my system. But it's like a level of, uh, if you've ever gotten the ears cleaned out at a doctor where they put the syringe in your ear, they do something <laughs> to like, you know, clean it out. And it's like, all of a sudden you can hear weirdly. Mm. You're like, I can, the sink turns on and I can hear inside the pipes, right? Mm-hmm. Your ears feel so like, you just got a new set of them. And so when a good meditation session happens, mm-hmm. you come out of it and you're like, I feel like I've got a whole new brain. I got a whole new battery. You You've know? got the upgrade. Um, an upgrade. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't always work out like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it's tough. Cause it's like, well, you can't chase that every time. Cause then it's disappointing because it won't feel like that every time. Mm-hmm. But I think what can motivate you is when you do stick with it somewhat regularly, whatever that means for you, like mm-hmm. it may not be every day at first, it may be every other day or whatever, but, or it may not be as long. The more you do do it, it's like you chisel away at more, like you get deeper and deeper into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it's not like starting at the top anymore all the time mm-hmm. where it's like, you're starting with all these tidal waves and crashes and all this noise. You're kind of starting very quickly from like 10 feet under 20 feet under, and mm-hmm. there's already some quiet to begin with. So yeah. that's crazy because I don't know if any of us have gotten to experience like a level of rest or quiet or depth like that as frequently, like you just don't experience that in day-to-day life. Everything is so rushed. Even if you go take a yoga class, it's about getting done with the yoga class. The next (laughs) class has to come in, you know, like we've got, it's a whole thing. We got to get back to normal life. So it really is like pressing pause. Mm -hmm. Everything stops. It feels like And when you can access that for free, it's hard to pass up. One thing people say is like to get yourself to do something Mm -hmm. uh, easier with less friction, improve your understanding around it. Why Mm -hmm. do you want to do it? Not just Mm -hmm. logically like the facts, but internally make the connections as to why this actually does help or affect you. Mm -hmm. And when you see it happen in real life, when you, for example, felt your first time where meditation worked quote unquote worked where you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is it. Right? I've got this it. Is why I do it. <laughs> yeah. When you first felt that it caused a level of understanding that you may have heard it before. Like, oh, this puts you into the flow. This makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. But you didn't know it until you actually like you felt it for a second. Yeah. Right. And so 
I think it's like orchestrate whatever you can to get yourself around that to where it's serving you, it's helping you with other goals. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be traditional like it is for everybody else. There's a million different forms and practices and types of meditations. And Mm -hmm. if you ask certain gurus, they'll tell you to do it this way versus that way. But like, it doesn't matter whether you use headspace or you use you know, nothing, you just breathe, follow your breathing, or Mm -hmm. you use a mantra, use TM, whatever. They're all pathways to get Mm -hmm. you into the journey. We all go through this evolution where you have to kind of learn Mm -hmm. for yourself. So I'm a fan of fat, like exploring what works for me. And it's not the same every time it can be different. I think everybody should take that approach customize it because it's your Definitely. practice, right? It, nobody's holding you to it. Like you have to do it this way. There's or, no great um, card, right? <laughs> great exactly. report for your meditation practice. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's grading you. Yeah. The only rate is like the pressure maybe you put on yourself. Right. right. So <laughs> you get to kind of create the type of pressure you want, which is like, right. okay, how am I going to hold myself to this? Um, Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you can change those roles at any time based on if they're serving you or not. So um, it's the ultimate playground, I think. So you personally tried transcendental meditation, right? Yeah. Can you explain what that is like as a practice? Yeah, it's, I don't want to make it sound like it's so different and crazy because it's not. It's like (laughs) there are essences to it that are very similar to like what, other types of meditation are, but mm-hmm. um, most of us, when we've tried some type of meditation app or do the traditional version of it, it might be breathing, right? It's like mm-hmm. focus on your breathing, focus on following your breath in and following your breath out. And so transcendental meditation is not a breathing focused one. It's more a mantra focused one. So it's mm-hmm. like you have a word, right? Mm-hmm. And this word shouldn't have necessarily a meaning to you. Like mm-hmm. it is your word, but it shouldn't be something I can understand that distracts my brain. It's like almost gibberish, right? If, for example, so let's say you have a word that when I say, um, let's just say interesting, 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 interesting. I just repeat that over and over. Mm -hmm. If you tried that for a couple seconds in your brain right now, without saying it out loud, it almost starts to vibrate like the ing, Mm. interesting. Every time Mm -hmm. you hit ing, it like vibrates against your brain. And I notice that when you practice that, you just say a word over and over and the thoughts start to kind of fade away. And this Mm. becomes kind of like this anchor word, just like the breath can be an anchor, come back Mm -hmm. to your breath every time you get lost. Instead of that, coming back to a word. Mm-hmm. And the focus is on inactivity. So it's not on actively breathing or actively thinking or actively saying this. It's like interesting. And then after you maybe 10 minutes in your meditation, you might doze off a little bit and then come back to interesting, right? Mm-hmm. But in the beginning of your meditation, you're very like interesting, interesting, interesting. You're saying it to like get your brain in that mode. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I just noticed my whole body and mind relaxed mm-hmm. way faster than some, you know, doing the breathing format of, uh, even though I still love that, like I need Mm -hmm. that at times too, where it's like, hold your breath, do it this way. But using the mantra was a surprising thing for me. And that's really what it is. You're supposed to do it for 20 minutes. Um, 
and uh, three minutes to come out of it. It's very specific, but Mm -hmm. 20 minutes of doing it and three minutes of like, just let yourself re-enter normal day. Mm -hmm. Also can be a little jarring for your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And the practice is it's twice a day. So technically when you're doing it the right way, it's supposed to be 20 minutes, 23 minutes, technically two times a day. And the idea is that every time you do it, you charge up your battery a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And it takes you to maybe the afternoon or the evening or whatever. And then for your part two, that PM meditation is what kind of like revitalizes you for the rest of your day. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's hard to do where you're like, oh, let me do both. I've Mm -hmm. gone times where I do one. I've gone times where I do both. There is a difference. If you can make it work, like that's 40 total minutes in a day, 45 minutes, it's hard to make that time. But if you can and you protect it, I felt my best when I do mm-hmm. that, but it's hard to do. Like even now I might do it once a day. I haven't mm-hmm. done it the twice a day prescription as is in quite a little while, but it still gives me that sense of like, if you ever have felt just like your body is completely relaxed, like your muscles don't feel tense, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, restless leg syndrome where you're sitting there and your like legs are shaking or you're tapping or whatever. It's like, you'll notice whether you do TM or you do the breathing type or any other practice, like when it works effectively, you notice your whole body and mind simultaneously are like a little mellow. Like there's not just this rush. I have heard the definition of stress being like, the feeling of wanting to be in two places at once, right? Mm, like fighting. Like I want to be having, here. Feeling like you have to be doing more than one thing at a, at a time. Exactly. Like right. multitasking doesn't work unless yeah. it's like listening to music in the background while you are folding laundry. That could work, but doing two tasks that take up your mental energy, it usually doesn't. I mean, you cannot really do both well. <laughs> no. It's, it's very difficult. And yeah, so for me, it's like TM, I've noticed it is like a specific practice. Like they make, Mm -hmm. you know, you go in and someone teaches it to you kind of a little bit. You do. Do you get the the mantra word, the specific mantra word prescribed just for you? That's what I heard from a friend of mine. It's a Sanskrit word and you don't know the meaning. You are not taught the meaning, but you have to repeat the word without knowing the meaning of the word. Is that right? Exactly. And that's kind of what I was describing earlier on where I was like, I tried it before I went in and got my word. They gave uh-huh. me the word and that whole thing. Like yeah. I just made up a word that mm. was like, I picked one that didn't mean something to me or whatever. And I used that. Mm-hmm. And I will say, even after getting the word, even though it's a special Sanskrit word and I don't know the meaning of it, it's two syllables. I think that's the one constant. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. mantras are two syllables. So I know I said interesting as an example, where I was like, mm-hmm. interesting. That's too long. It would be something like, I notice a lot of mantras and stuff end in ing. Oh, so, okay. And the reason I say that is because like that feeling I described where I was like your brain almost vibrates. Like if you say it quietly right now, you said amazing, mm-hmm. amazing, amazing. It starts to reverberation, I think, in your brain mm-hmm. almost relaxes it. It's almost like in yoga where you go, oh, right? That last part where you go, um, it's almost like a ringing or a, you feel a, just a sensation in your brain yeah. that for whatever reason, it seems to really bring things down. Yeah. So th- that's what I would say. If you want to practice it without going and getting a word, just experiment mm-hmm. with it, mm-hmm. pick one, pick something that doesn't mean anything to you and make it two syllables 
try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's what convinced me where I was like, okay, I do, this, this feels good. Like, let me see what there is to it. If mm-hmm. it's really as different as I think. And so then I went in and took the actual uh, class or whatever, which is uh, three days or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, two days. And then you take a break for a couple of days and then you come back for one more day mm-hmm. and you get to do meditations there. You also meditate for the first time when you get that word, um, mm-hmm. you meditate with somebody in the room, right. Who okay. helps. Like I said, he, they teach you like, okay, say this word out loud. Okay. You say your thing out loud a couple of times, then you go, okay, now say it in your head without saying it, just say mm-hmm. it in your head. So you say that, right. And then you go, okay, now slow it down. Say it again. Okay. You do that. So then it's almost like you slip into a state of like, okay, wow, this is working. And they almost like quietly leave the room after oh. <laughs> a couple minutes, once you are in your meditation state huh. and that guidance alone, like that one-on-one, like, Hey, do you notice this? Do you feel your body relaxing or do you still feel tense? Like somebody just checking in on that, like while I'm doing it mm-hmm. was the game changer for me, I think, because I'd mm. never, ever have had somebody go while I'm meditating, like yeah. be there over my shoulder being like, Hey, try this, feel this. Do you notice that? And, um, so I found it effective. I did find it worth it. And also it was a bit of an investment. So you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I think, mm-hmm. uh, it was, it was good to hold you accountable a little bit, yes. but if you're in a position where you can't, it's like pick a word and just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you mm-hmm. can still get a lot of the same benefits and TM specifically is pretty good with like, they do a lot of like scholarships and stuff where they are teaching people in schools and stuff for free. And if you are, you can't afford it. Like you might be able to get still attend and uh, uh, do it for a fraction of the cost or for free or something. So there's a TM center or something like that, I guess, mm-hmm. in every city usually, mm-hmm. or a couple of them. And it's cool. Cause like, once you've done it, I, I haven't really taken advantage of this, but like uh, I used to where you can go in for group meditations mm-hmm. and to like brush up on your stuff. If you ever need to, where you're like, mm-hmm. am I saying the mantra, right? Am I, you know, I feel like I haven't been doing it right. Like something's off, you know, I noticed, okay. I started laying down kind of and meditating mm-hmm. again. Uh, and I tried to TM and I would always fall asleep and I was like, <laughs> okay, that's one way to do it, but not right. really like you know, this is how you sit down and do it and you treat it like a practice. And I think treating it like that, like with something that is uh, like valuable might make you stick to it. So yeah, uh, it is a different style, but it's not mm-hmm. that much different. Like a lot of the research and a lot of the effects are still uh, very similar to yeah. other forms of meditation. It's a specific technique, I guess they describe yeah. it as, um, um, you know, so I believe it's trademarked or it's yeah. Practiced by I, or developed by a specific organization. That's what I understand. I think so. Yeah. I'm not quite sure like who popularized it or what, but David Lynch was the one guy that kept coming to mind. He had a foundation or something. He's a filmmaker mm-hmm. and actor. And like, he put a lot of like, once it worked for him, he learned mm-hmm. about the technique and he'd been doing it for like 60 years or something crazy. Right he created a foundation where mm. yeah, it became like a more maybe formal thing or it became mm-hmm. like a, it just like it got into more schools, you know, and they're teaching it to turning it into like a curriculum. Right. It's interesting. It's a, 
I'm sure for some people that deters them, like, oh, it's a system, it's a organization, whatever. And that's why I say, try it without even going in first Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. see if you like that mantra style. And you might find that it is very effective or that it's not. And then you kind of figure it out before you even have to go in. So, you know, I think the biggest thing I noticed from it, and I'm sure this might be from other forms of meditation too, but it's energy that, you know, getting more energy, Mm -hmm. Like it feels like you have a cup of coffee or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. But it lasts for four five, six hours Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't crash necessarily. That's how I would describe it. It's like natural energy Mm -hmm. that you just feel more focused, more clear, more excited. You know, it it does fade away like a battery does a little bit. Right. Where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, if you did it at 8 a.m., then by 2 p.m., 3 p.m., it's going to fade out. And then it's like, that's why they say do the second session because mm. then it gets you through the next uh, yeah. part of the day or whatever. So yeah, if energy motivates you, which it didn't for me for a while, but like, as I get older, I'm starting to realize that the more I want to do energy yeah. is everything, you know, if I don't have and that, I can't do anything. The more energy you have, more effective, not only more efficient, but more effective that you can be. Yeah. whatever you're uh, doing right you can take more shots you like with a lot of what we anything apply it to right whether it's business or health or Mm -hmm. personal stuff like there's an element of repetition consistency that goes Mm -hmm. into almost all those things and you can't be consistent if you don't have energy Right. right and so energy allows you to be consistent or a little bit more mm-hmm. or take more shots, which yeah. then translates to like, okay, more experiences equals mm-hmm. I have a better sense of understanding and getting better at this. It really does come back to somehow figuring out for yourself, like, how do I do this with regularity mm-hmm. until I get over the hump to where I feel I get hooked on it? You know, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll voluntarily come back. Yeah. And it makes total sense. I just noticed that this came to me when you're talking about energy level. We are energetic being, you know, we are 99.9% energy and it makes sense that we have to charge us, charge the battery and provide more energy as time goes on. Because just like our phone, the energy level, the battery goes down. And when you hit the red stage, it's about time that you have to get back to be plugged in again. Yep. Everybody has a phone or smartphone of some sort nowadays, and you can relate to like, you have to make updates every so often. Oh. Your software needs an update. And Otherwise, if you don't do it, yeah, I you sometimes know, right? don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Me like, neither. one day something doesn't work. I'm like, I wonder why. <laughs> and is that a crazy analogy or what? Right. It's like, that's exactly what meditating before you do it regularly is like something one day just doesn't work. It's so hard. You can't send a picture to somebody, something you want to do that you're like, all right, fine. Let me update it. Let me figure (laughs) out what I need to do. But if you just regularly did the updates, it's not that bad, right? It's a little bit easier to sustain when you are doing something new, learning something Mm -hmm. new, encountering just a new territory of some sort you need different software to Mm -hmm. go in to help kind of make that energy work and make that energy purposeful. And so meditation is a way to help you, I think, not only like take it in, find it and all that stuff, but like absorb it. Do you know what I mean? You Mm -hmm. said you're able to access higher levels of creativity in your prefrontal cortex. It's like Mm -hmm. the absorption of what you're doing and what you're getting out of it. Like 
creativity a lot of times is just connections, right? That people mm. aren't seeing. So you're yeah. making connections between unlikely things, between two different things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works or sometimes it forms something that seems new. And so the more connections you do have, the mm-hmm. more chances you have of something being good, even if not all of them are, right? But maybe one or two of those are yeah. game-changing ideas. Like for you, you had this moment where you were like, oh, okay, I want to talk about meditation, right? I want to talk to other people about it. I want to hear their stories. I want to share these stories with other people. And that is like a certain energy, right? That you had to like develop from being somebody who, okay, I haven't talked out loud about this. It's been Mm -hmm. something that I have just practiced on my own. So then you've developed a set of skills to where now you're crushing it and you can easily, you know, you talk to other people about it and make it very interesting and fun and educational. And it's like, I'm sure meditation played a part for you in that to where Mm -hmm. those light bulb moments you have that make Mm -hmm. you go, this moment I will never forget because it changed everything. I think when you meditate, you have more of them. You just Mm -hmm. you have more chances. You make more bets so you can have more of those experiences. And that's how you developed your career. The whole trajectory of your career has been a series of coming up with different ideas, different creative ideas that you did not see beforehand. And then trying that out and then see how that goes. And then maybe tweaking along the way many times. Can you talk a little bit about how that process has been? And I'm sure once you've experienced enough cycles, the same cycle, you now know the drill. So like, let's see, I've got this idea. Let's implement this. It might not go as well as I would hope, but when that happens, I know what I'm going to do. And then try the other ideas and it might work, it might not, but you are prepared to see whichever outcome. And that gives you a sense of peace. Yes, it does. I think um, speed of implementation, that's what Mm. gives me peace. When I can have an idea and I can like act on it or I know how to do it, I figure it out and I can begin the process. It Mm -hmm. gives me comfort that I know that like it gave me a lot of anxiety when I didn't know how a microphone worked and how to do the podcast or mm-hmm. how this workout works mm-hmm. and you're right like a series of I realized this at that second that job that was my dream job where I remember bringing one idea up that was just, it was just different right it was coming from the nutrition coaching world we were in the fitness coaching world and it was like different but similar and I brought some similarities together and it you know got people in my company excited where it was like, ah, like, you know what? Nobody has ever in these years come to me with something outside of what Mm. we normally do or has Mm -hmm. proposed even that we should do something like that. Right. And I guess I realized like once I saw that it worked, I can make this work once. Let me try Mm -hmm. it again and again. And I felt the imposter syndrome every single time, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, this may never work again. Who am I to be proposing this or trying this out, right? Exactly. Like there was so much friction for me in the beginning because think about it, I was 19 or whatever. Like you're young. It's hard for people to trust you. And, you know, if you're not like, like I'm five, four and I was muscular and lean a little bit, but I wasn't like a gorilla. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, this guy's going to make me get to my goals. Like I had to really work against a lot of that and Mm -hmm. try to embody an idea before I was actually ready for it. That's how Mm -hmm. I always remember operating. I would always like 
the podcast even I wasn't ready to start the podcast when I did but I did mm-hmm. and yeah. I grew into it after yes. a little while and so I really value the mm-hmm. ability to when you have an idea mm-hmm. execute on it implement yeah. it and I know before you think you know how mm-hmm. yeah like starting before you think you're ready because we're never ready yeah. like That's there true. is never ever a right time that would have came where I would have been like oh now is I should start the podcast now right mm-hmm. it's like to me the most valuable thing is like when you overcome the self limitation right you're like oh I can't do it like mm-hmm. stand up was that for me I can't mm-hmm. there's no way there's no reason someone like like me is meant to do this like all that all the different things that come up with it but like the feeling of overcoming it and just mm-hmm. getting to do it like that was a big step for me whether it was good or not is another story right but like the feeling of just doing it yeah. just implementing what was in my head yeah. making it kind of come out into something real yeah. was what i wanted to see and when you do that when you get to experience that a couple times like mm-hmm. now you're more likely to do it. it's just like when you work out a couple times and you feel the aftermath the after mm-hmm. effects of like i have more endorphins i have more yeah. energy wow I feel yeah. good now you're just like you have a feeling to associate it to so yeah for me it's like the hard part is making it real implementing it getting over the fear and the judgment and criticism yeah. to do the thing you know yeah but you've done it so many times now and now you do a few podcasts Yes. Yeah. So my first podcast was Inside the Mind, which was uh, at the time called Airborne Mind Show, but I've renamed it since. And um, that was kind of my documentation from like when I was really starting out and almost knew nothing in fitness to like, you get to kind of see over the course of the episodes, interviewing coaches and athletes and kind Mm -hmm. of knowing and learning what I'm talking about and getting that job. So it's a very audio documentary almost of like my whole career from scratch. And then my second podcast was look good, move. Well, I don't host that anymore, but I co-created it, co-hosted 120 episodes, nine seasons of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a top ranking fitness podcast still going. And so if you're into fitness, that's a good one to check out. I currently do inside the mind, my personal podcast, Mm -hmm. human evolution project with Bryce Smith. He's another coach out of San Diego. Mm -hmm. And then I do pod Mahal, which is an almost daily five times a week type podcast of just like helpful marketing information and things to help people create mostly related to podcasting, but creativity, podcasting, and Mm -hmm. turning it into profit wherever you're at. I think out of some of those, you might enjoy uh, one of those podcasts. Um, Yeah. yeah, It's fun. It's been something that built up over time. It's cool because like I was definitely afraid to do it at one point and uh, I never forget that. And I'm sure that you are going to get into new adventure from here on too. And I'm excited yeah. to see what you're going to do next. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a, uh, the unknown is so scary sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. I, uh, and I was somebody who thought I had it all planned out, right? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to make a career in fitness. I'm going to open up a gym. I'm going to work online. I'm going to do it this way. And yeah. I, the best stuff happens when you're open to the unknown. I hear mm-hmm. I heard Joe Dispenza say that, right? It's like we want things to happen out of nowhere. Yeah. Like get money out of nowhere, you know, yeah. relationship comes out of nowhere, good things happen out of nowhere. And it's like, but we you have to mentally get to nowhere yeah. to be able to experience that, right? I'm excited for it. It's being online in any format, which mm-hmm. a lot of us do now, whether it's a 
passion project, a side hustle or a full-time gig for you. It's like creating content is something we all do in some format or, or mm-hmm. getting into as time goes on. Yeah. And it's something that it's like, as you do it, it attracts new opportunities and adventures. You'll meet people that you never, ever could have met or thought mm-hmm. that you would have a conversation with. And yeah, this is really fun. I appreciate you giving me the time and uh, asking such great questions uh, to help understand Thank how you. this crazy thing worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you can help people with your fitness experience. And also you can help other podcasters, fellow podcasters. Yes. Like somebody Other like podcasters. Me. Exactly. Anybody, and not just anybody who's already podcasting, but if you are someone who is looking to, I, I help a lot of people now in the wellness space with that, where it's like, mm. they're using it to help enhance their coaching practice, or they're using it to uh, help service another business goal of some sort. Mm-hmm. And it's like content creation is something you have to do anyways, whether yeah. you do it on Instagram or podcast or YouTube, it's like podcasts are a fun way to do it. And yeah. there's a magic to it that, you know, and I know is present that mm-hmm. like, isn't there on reels or TikTok for right. some reason. It's like, right. it's cool, but it's not the same. So right. uh, anybody who has a bit of that story to share and they want to kind of get off that content treadmill, but they still mm-hmm. want to contribute to their respective community. I think podcasting is great for, and yeah, I love helping them out however I can. Um, podmahal.com is the website where I regularly, there's a bunch of free stuff there you can check out and I'm regularly posting and updating all my work and aggregating it there. Great. I will put all the links on the show notes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you. And, you know, once again, I love, love, love the work that you're doing and yeah, keep it up. I'm excited to keep watching your journey and your uh, evolution with the show. Thank you. Well, so many gems. Here are the takeaways. Number one. Just like how fitness works, meditation also takes consistent effort and dedication for you to start seeing its benefits. Don't get discouraged if you don't see any results after doing it a couple of times. Stick with it consistently, and one day you will experience a breakthrough. Number two, how is your offstage work habit that no one gets to see but yourself? What you do offstage determines how you perform on stage. What you do off work determines how you show up at work. What you do in your alone time determines how you show up in relationships. Number three, you can use external motivation as a reason to start meditation and gamify the process. Maybe you want to feel happier. Maybe you want to receive financial abundance. As you continue your practice, allow your reason to change and evolve. Number four, don't take everything so seriously, including meditation. Try different ways. Forget about any expectations and end results you think you want to attain. Lighten up. This is your playground. Nobody is grading you on how well you are meditating. Number five, transcendental meditation, often called TM, is a form of silent mantra meditation. The practice involves meditating for about 20 minutes twice a day. Try picking a random word and using it as a mantra and see if this style of meditation works for you before you officially go into the practice of TM. Number six, you are made of 99.9% energy and you can and need to 
charge your own battery through meditation. The more energy you have, the more effective you can become in all aspects of your life. Number seven, just like your smartphone needs occasional software updates or restart in order for it to work smoothly, you also need a reset from time to time. And meditation can be the reset you need in order to operate at a maximum level of a capacity. Don't go too long without a reset. Number eight, when you meditate consistently, you will experience a higher level of creativity in your life, and therefore, you will have light bulb moments more frequently. Number nine, imposter syndrome is prevalent in all areas of life. Even in meditation, you might ask yourself, "Who am I to be meditating? I'm not a meditation master." Start when you don't feel like you are ready. That's the only way to get anything done, really. Number ten, trying new things is often uncomfortable and scary, but the more you do it, the more you get used to the process, and the time lag between the conception and implementation. Gets shorter and shorter. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find more about Mizpah by visiting his website, podmahal.com. It's p-o-d-m-a-h-a-l.com. On his website, he has many free resources for anyone who already has a podcast and wants to take it to the next level, or who is thinking of starting a podcast. So take advantage of them. His Instagram handle is also Patmahal. Feel free to DM him and say hi. I'll leave all the links on the show notes. By the way, do you journal? Journaling is a practice where you can take a moment, connect with yourself, and write down whatever is in your mind onto a piece of paper. I know it sounds so simple, but it has so many amazing benefits. It reduces stress and anxiety. It helps you with problem solving. It improves your mood and enhances your creativity. It helps you to achieve your goals and so much more. After experiencing the benefits myself, I recently published a journal with my photography and writing. If you have already gotten this journal, thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying it. And if you haven't, order yours today. You can go check out the Amazon link on the show notes and take a peek at the inside of the journal there. And as usual, if you have comments, questions, or requests for future episodes, please DM me on my Instagram at masakozawa underscore photography. You can also join my private Facebook group called Why Not Meditate. I would love to connect with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe and leave a review. Also, share the episode with a friend who might benefit from meditation. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, why not meditate?